0: well 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 the ruler is back and in this space i am the ruler jason jones and this is the ruler of the court podcast brought to you by the good folks folks excuse me i said folks i mean the good folks of the basketball podcast network (laughs) how you doing everyone uh happy um i guess bye week to the super bowl for everyone out there um Congrats, I guess, to all the Bucks and Chiefs fans as a uh, Raider guy myself. Uh, either I watch Tom Brady win another ring or I watch the Chiefs win another one, which is. Uh, uh. So I just want a good game. And on both sides, there's only one coach I've met in person, I believe. I think off the top of my head. And that's uh, Eric bien my frat brother. So I guess I'll. Quatha, I say I'm pulling for the Chiefs or I'm pulling for Eric, should I say, but neither here or there. Let's get into basketball talk. And since last we chatted, the Kings have actually won a game. Ding, 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 ring the alarm, ring the alarm. The Kings won a game. Beat the Knicks last Friday, held the team under 100 points. And I know the Knicks offense is trash, you know, they don't score a lot of points, I mean, they're not going to try to run up the score, but I can't even, you know, say much, you know, the Kings won that game 103-94, and the way the Kings had been defending, you would have thought the Knicks were going to get, you know, easily get 115, but that didn't happen, it was a slower game, kind of, and the Kings were able to end their four-game losing streak. And due to the games in Memphis Sunday and Monday both being postponed, the Kings don't play again until Wednesday in Orlando. You know what that means? Practice time. Yes, yes, yes. Practice time. The thing the Kings need a lot of. And they're going to get that. And clearly none of us wants to see uh, COVID-19 spread. We don't want to see anyone get sick. We don't want to see any more people lose their lives to this. And you feel for the people in Memphis who are dealing with the uh, situation now and haven't had to have even another game. They had had three games postponed um, before this, and then it was announced on Sunday they have another game postponed. So they're going to miss at least four games due to this. And you just hope everyone comes out of that okay, healthy, and that no one associated that either on the team or related to anyone connected to the team is know, gravely ill or loses their life to this. But from the King's perspective, this has this is I don't want to call it say COVID the gift or a blessing in disguise. I don't like using that term with this, but this is a team that needed practice time. They probably needed to you know get a break and that's just the nature of the schedule of the season. It's gonna be some times where you're gonna get some unexpected breaks may because of the team you're playing against might be dealing with issues, or you might get them because Team, your team has issues, and right now the Kings are benefiting because they're gonna, they were able instead of playing today, they were able to get some, you know, rest and film time Saturday, and come back and have a practice on, you know, on Sunday. and Today, as today, I I mean, Sunday when I'm recording this, and <laughs> so they were able to get, they're gonna get that, they're gonna get a chance to get to Orlando early. You know, so they can have two full nights there, get a the chance to adjust to the time change. And things that something you don't normally get to do, especially this, this stage of the season, you know, get some time to rest, relax, get their bodies acclimated before they have three games in Florida and then a game in New Orleans. You know, now this six-game trip is a four-game trip with the first three games being in Florida. And I'll touch on some Florida stuff later, but what can the Kings get from this little break? couple of things, like I said. One is rest. Uh, to try to end this losing streak, Luke Walton is playing his starters more minutes than normal. You see the bench minutes have declined significantly for guys like Corey Joseph. Um, Mania Bealisa is not in the rotation. Hassan Whiteside is injured, so you are not getting any minutes from him, obviously. But the rest will be good for those heavy minute guys. And just the repetition and the detail into fixing what's gone wrong. This season, I think that's going to be a good thing for the Kings. It's going to be, you know, anytime they can get more work in, the better. Because as we've seen most of January, they need a lot of work on the defensive end. A lot of work. So I'm seeing this right now is this is a chance for the Kings to get this unfortunate situation and make it a positive by getting that extra work in. They need work on some things. Mainly you know, work on defense because that's where the big issue is for them. We all know it. The league knows it. The Kings know it. I think probably even my children know it. that The Kings got to defend better. So, that being said, we'll see what the Kings do with these, you know, extra few days. You know, instead of having a three-games-and-four-night situation on Wednesday, they should be well-rested and ready to go against Orlando. A team they probably should want to play given how Orlando spanked them in the NBA bubble last year to put a dent in their playoff hopes, you know, maybe some of those guys remember that and that could be a little fuel to get them going. I mean, anything you you need or you, you can use to get motivated, I'm for it. So let's just see how that goes. But just looking ahead, a couple of things I wanted to look at, you know, as far as the Kings and, what really makes them go? And I've been big on saying this, you know, this team needs De'Aaron Fox to be aggressive all the time. This team needs De'Aaron Fox to be that guy. And I still believe that. I know De'Aaron knows that. Everyone knows that for the Kings to be a competitive team, they need De'Aaron Fox at his best, or at least being aggressive and attacking. So, but what I want to uh, look at or examine right now is Harris. Uh, De'Aaron may be the King's best player or the most impo- you know best player, but perhaps the most impl- important player is really Harrison Barnes. And you know, hear me out on this. I don't think this is revolutionary thinking. I don't think this is something that you know is shocking to people. But I really believe, you know, especially looking at the way this streak ended, but with Harrison Barnes having a good good game, is that this team really does go as Harrison goes. And, you know, he's. It's, you talk to guys on the team, they would tell you Harrison's a leader on, in the locker room. He's a steadying presence. He's a veteran. He does all those things you like and you need in your locker room. But the Kings need more than just a locker room from Harrison. And the numbers bear it out. And the Kings, six wins this season. Harrison Barnes is averaging 19.3 points, seven rebounds, 4.8 assists. You know, shooting 41.7% from three, 48.8% overall. And he's taking 13.7 shots a game in the wins. So, he's aggressive. He's involved. He's involving teammates. He's doing a little bit of everything. And he's averaging five free throw attempts in those games. So, he's getting to the line as well. So, and like I said, and that's in six wins. Har- Harrison's averaging 19.3. Let's look at the 10 losses the Kings have had this season. And 10 losses... Number one, Harrison's only shooting the ball 9.6 times a game. So, less than 10 attempts in games they lose. So, you're not seeing the same, you know, level of aggressiveness on offense in the games they lose. Harrison shoots 46.9%, basically 47%. Not a big drop off in his shooting percentage, but the number of shots goes down. And he averages only 13.9 points in losses. The assists go from 4.8 to 2.5. So, I mean, only one rebound difference from 7 to 6. But I think you look at the the the, the results, this team's fortunes, you know, really do hinge on Harrison. I mean, I think De'Aaron is still number one in terms of priority of guys. You need to be aggressive. But I think right now, you know, n- you know no hyperbole. Uh, Harrison Barnes is right now probably their second most important player. Just because he's the he's a veteran. He's been through this more times than most of those guys. So you count on him to know how to handle some of the tough situations they come across. You know, he's been through the playoffs, he's won a championship. So he understands like the level of pressure and the level of execution it takes to be an elite team. So I think you do put a lot of focus and emphasis on what Harrison's doing. And like I said, the numbers bear it out. Uh, you know, Harrison was asked about his own, you know, his uh, how he played on Friday last Friday night, and he said, you know, his preparation didn't change, his process didn't change, just made more shots. And true, you know, no, no, definitely that 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 is part of it. You know, it's kind of one of those. Of course, yeah, he made more shots, but he also took he took the shots, and that's what the Kings really need. You know, he had 21.8 rebounds seven assists in that game to end against the Knicks to end the losing streak. So that's what they need they need Harrison at. They need that constant aggression offensively. Like I said, even if the shots aren't falling, they need to know that he'll from his spot he can put pressure on the defense. And that's what he did against the Knicks. You know, he took you know, and no one's asking Harrison to be, you know, a crazy volume shooter. He only took thirteen shots against the Knicks, but Made two threes. He was uh got to the line nine times. Made nine of his ten free I mean, nine of nine, not nine of ten. Made all nine of his free throws. Season high in free throws made for him. So, you know, that aggression was there. And, I mean, like I said, we harp on De'Aaron and his aggression. But Harrison really might be the second most important player in terms of setting the tone for this team. You know, the way guys play off of him. And... I think Luke Walton made a good point about that. He said, essentially, Harrison's involvement in the offense is a three-pronged situation. One, the coaches have to call more stuff for Harrison to to get him involved, to get him going. Another part of it is is that Harrison has to... uh, Call, you know, call for the ball more himself as well. You know, demand the ball. And I think I think a great spot for that to be when teams are making runs and Harrison has a matchup favorable, get Harrison on the block. Harrison's the best post player right now. You know, I know you would you, you believe eventually Marvin Bagley is going to be that guy. But right now, in terms of trust, I think Harrison's the guy they got to go to in those situations that they need to try to get a good look. So that would be one option I believe the Kings could look at when it comes to Harrison demanding the ball. And thirdly, he said it's on his teammates, too, to find him. So, you you know, it's a three. No, not, I don't think one is more important than the other. I think they all need to work together. You do need the coaches calling stuff for him. And not just out of timeouts, maybe even during the game saying, hey, we got to get something to Harrison, get HB something. You know, you need that. You do need Harrison to be more assertive, especially on this group. that's it, crying for someone to be that guy that can say, hey, I'll get us an easy bucket or I'll make the right decision. And like I said, thirdly, the guys around him got to play smarter. They got to play better. They got to recognize the importance of Harrison to the offense and get him to the ball in spots where he can be effective. So, like I said, you know, I think Harrison very well is the real, no, not say the real key. He's a major key to what the Kings are trying to do. And so, If you want to see how the Kings are doing, you want to get an idea, just check out Harrison's numbers and you'll have an idea of how the Kings are doing. You know, in that four game losing streak, Harrison was only averaging 9.3 points and shooting 31.4 percent. And there's no way the Kings can expect to win a lot of games if Harrison is going to uh, score like that and shoot like that. You know, but, you know, maybe this game against the Knicks is going to get Harrison back on track because all the games they've won feels like Harrison's made a bigger impact and been able to kind of impose his will into the outcome of the game. So let's see if he keeps that up on the road. You know, you need your vets probably more so on the road to be steadying, even though there's no fans. uh, Well, maybe there might be some. On this trip, but you know you're not going to be, you know, because you are going to be in Florida and Louisiana. But we're not talking about packed houses, you know. So, so maybe the steadying part isn't as necessary. But Harrison Barnes' contribution is definitely necessary, and a big part of what the Kings want to do. So, as I said, as you check out the Kings this week, check out that if you want to get an idea how the Kings did if Harrison Barnes had a good game odds are the Kings won. If he didn't, odds are they lost. Don't want to put all of it on Harrison, but can't deny there's a correlation. And now moving on from Harrison Barnes to another starting forward on the Kings, Marvin Bagley III. Uh, A lot of ways Marvin is everyone's favorite target. (laughs) That's because he's Marvin, he's not Luke. You know, all the stuff, you know, Marvin's dealt with the injuries, but I'll say Marvin has, there has been a noticeable improvement in Marvin's play of late, you know, it's almost like you have to let someone 21 years old play games and get comfortable and start to find himself, you know, imagine that, shocking I know, right? But yeah, Marvin has seems to have really begun to settle down and earn some fourth quarter minutes. Which was a big thing, you know, early in the year. People were wondering why wasn't Marvin playing in the fourth quarter. And the fact is, this coach's staff really hadn't had Marvin. They didn't know him. So, you're going to go with the guys you trust late in games. And it was four guys the Kings trusted and knew. And Tyrese Halliburton, who I think everyone on the Kings trust from almost from day one. So, but Marvin, you know, he played in the fourth against the Knicks, and he's starting to earn – you can see that he's earning more trust, and he's done that, as Luke Waltz said, by doing some of the little things. You know, he didn't have – not have any numbers, but he said Marvin probably leads the team in charges drawn. You know, he start, you know, he's starting to affect the defense more, you know, blocking more shots. As he said, taking charges, rebounding, doing some of the dirty work, just doing some of the things that you really need from – a guy that athletic at that size to have an impact on winning. So Marvin next in his last eleven games, he's averaging thirteen point nine points, shooting fifty fifty one percent from the field, thirty nine percent from three. You know, the free throws need work. It's only at fifty three point one over his last eleven. But he's at eight point one rebounds, you know, point seven blocks, point nine assists, you know the, you know, those aren't out great numbers, but you, you do like that the shooting percentage is improved, the efficiency is improved. Because, in order for the Kings to do what they want to do offensively, they need Marvin to be able to space the floor. And if he, if he, over the course of a season, can be a 38 39% shooter from three, that's uh, you can live with that and not more, not just live with it, you'll t- you'll love that. And that's you know, pretty much in that Bielitsa range. You know, it's not above 40, but it's it's there where it's comparable and it gives you the option to space the floor. And Then as the teams begin to see that Marvin can make that three consistently, it creates options for him to attack off the dribble, creates options, you know, for, for his teammates. So you have to like the progress Marvin is making as, you know, in his third season, but he's 21 years old. Still a you know age-wise a very young player. He'll be 22 in March, and even then, you know, he's still relatively young in this in this at this game. He's played 16 games this season, as you know, which is three more than he played all of last season. So, getting Marvin on the floor, getting him those minutes he needs, and Marvin earning those minutes, especially in the fourth quarter, is a big thing for this team's progress going forward because. Like it or not I know people don't fairly like Marvin sometime or they you know they're still stuck on who the Kings could have drafted that year blah 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 whatever fact is the kings need to see what they have with Marvin they need to get a good understanding of what he can do you know especially this this front office and this coaching step they need a larger sample size of what Marvin is is Marvin really just a center you know who's just not strong enough to play there yet Can he really be a dynamic four-man who can also play five? The Kings want him to be, but the fact is they really don't know that yet because they haven't seen it. So now they're getting a chance to see it. They're getting a chance to get an idea of what, no, particularly what Marvin could be for this team going forward. So that's a good sign for the Kings, you know, something that they can look at and say, okay, we're headed in the right direction on this at least, which is, like I said, no. this team needs all the positives they can get. You know, is Marvin perfect by any stretch? No. Does Marvin need to still improve defensively? Yeah, but he's, you know, but that's not going to happen overnight. I think he's, I think he's willing to take the challenge. Uh, no, I've gotten to know Marvin over the last couple of years. He's extremely confident. He doesn't believe he can't do it. You know, he wants the chance to do it. And there come some growing pains, some lumps with that. That's to be expected. We'll see how it goes, but definitely this is a been a, uh, a, I don't think it's the best stretches of Marvin's career. I think he had a stretch at the end of his rookie year that was pretty solid as well, but just to see the steady uptick in progress is good, but we could touch on one other thing before we get off of the Kings, but as Marvin progresses, you have to look at what that means for that closing lineup. And does that mean Buddy Hild is now regressing back to uh, to a lesser role on this team? Just because um, th- when they closed the game on Friday, the lineup was Rashawn Holmes, Marvin Bagley, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and De'Aaron Fox. Some of that could be due to the, to the lineup that uh, the Knicks use. If they're playing Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson together, maybe you want two bigs. Even though I think you could put Harrison on Julius Randle, but it also speaks to the fact that you know Buddy is still finding his way this season. You know, still shooting below forty percent on the season. You know, still trying to figure. You know, he's shooting thirty-seven percent. You know, on the season, thirty-seven point five percent from three, which is not bad. I'll oh, clear it's not bad, but. Uh, Three-fourths of Buddy's shots come from beyond three. And so, you know, you're you're, going to be hit or miss. You know, he's taking a lot of – he takes a lot of threes. So, by default, you know, he kind of – you know, you take enough, you're going to make some. But you can't like that efficiency. You know, like I said, 37% overall. You need – you know, you're going to need better than that. As every player has ever told you before, it's a long season. So, Buddy's got time to get himself rolling. But, yeah, that's a. You know, they're not going to be able to win win a lot of games with Buddy shooting like that, you know. (laughs) You know, in their wins. Oddly enough, Buddy averages a little more in losses than he does in wins this season. He's only averaging overall a cool 14.9. And, of course, the Kings did not. No. even though Monty McNair, the current GM, did not give or sign Buddy to this, this contract. You know, he's not... You know, you don't want to pay over $20 million for 14.9 points from a shooting guard if he's not going to be giving you that Clay Thompson, elite-level, two-way-type defense. And that's not what Buddy's going to give you. Buddy's going to try hard, but we're never we're not going to mistake him for, for Alvin Robertson <laughs> or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George out there. So, you you... You wonder if, as the shooting struggles continue, are you know if the coaching staff gonna lose faith in Buddy, keeping him out there for long stretches in the fourth quarter? And we saw this last season, and I think Luke Walton took an unfair amount of heat for not playing Buddy in some of those fourth quarters, you know. But I think when, now that you have Halliburton, people seem to you know you know if you wanna believe if, if Twitter timeline is a true gauge of how of sentiment, which it's not. You know, but you do you do see people saying, well, maybe Buddy shouldn't play late and it should be Tyrese and De'Aaron back there. I don't think you can throw Buddy away, you know, but I do think it's Marvin progresses and you definitely need Rashawn out there for his defense. Someone's not going to play in that closing lineup. And right now it would appear to be that Buddy's going to be the odd would be the odd man out if, the, if this trend continues. So. Watch out for that. Be on the lookout for that. You know, because I'm pretty sure if that that does become a a a, a normal thing where the backcourt is Tyrese and De'Aaron and you and they and the Kings stick with their you know they're starting front court with uh Holmes, Bagley, and Barnes, you will start to hear the whispers of unhappiness. I believe. I do believe people will stand you you will see the media speculation of. Is Buddy Hill on the move? Does anybody want to make a move for Buddy Hill? I think you'll see that stuff. So just keep an eye on that. I don't think it's anything to jump over, get overworked about right now. But if Marvin continues to improve and Tyrese continues to be what he's been most of his rookie season, this is going to be something that's going to come up a lot. I'm not on the you-got-a-bench-buddy you know, train. I don't think... I, I'm not on that train. I don't believe that You get, You have to go to that extent at this point. I don't think Buddy's starting is costing them games. You know, and I don't know if you really want to take Tyrese from that second unit just yet because it, the team does to have so much trust in him in that role. So... It's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Like, Again, it's crazy how everyone's future is tied together. As Marvin gets better... Does that 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 impact Buddy? As Tyrese gets better, what does that mean for De'Aaron? You know, does De'Aaron play off the ball more or less? You know, there's a lot to look at. You know, so to be on the lookout for that as as a trend or something to follow as this season continues. Before we get up out of here, you know, we, we got to talk about you know my favorite you know musical art form, the art of rap. And with the Kings spending a few days in Florida I thought it would be a good day to discuss some of my favorite Florida rappers what what Florida has meant to the hip-hop scene from my point of view and maybe the Kings will get into some you know Florida hip-hop water down there so I'm not gonna name every Florida rapper I like you know or not cause if I did I'm gonna miss people but Kind of want to take you back to the 80s where you know, I was young, you know, a youngster growing up in Southern California and didn't know a whole lot about stuff outside of Southern California. But I, you know, the kid began to you want know, see that the University of Miami football team was pretty good. <laughs> I got, you know, like, you know, begin to see that. And also I began to hear about this rap group uh, called the Two Live Crew. And this whole idea of censorship and the First Amendment, and there was a rap group with a song called Me So Horny, and yeah, not probably not the stuff an elementary school kid needed to know or hear. But the fight that the Two Life Crew had about censorship and freedom of speech and musical expression paved the way in a lot of ways for the kind of hip hop we listen to now, you know. Before NWA jumped out and took it to another level, and they got the heat of the FBI and the media and the government and all that, it was the Two Live Crew taking a lot to who went through that battle. You know, shout out to Luther Campbell and the crew. But that was when I think of Miami hip hop or Florida hip hop, that's my first thought is the Two Live Crew because. I said, a lot of the stuff people are doing on, in you know, in songs now, even in videos and, you know, the whole notion of, you know, I don't know if you want to call it the video vixens, but just some of the stuff you see now, two live crew was doing that in the 80s. So I want to shout them out just for being, you know, like I said, trendsetters. They paved the way for a lot of people. Like I said, I don't know if my favorite group from growing up nwa could have been nwa if there hadn't been a two live crew so like i said shout out to live crew Luke the campbell and all that paving the way for people to basically to cuss and say whatever they want on a record so so that's where i you know i start with florida you know you got your the, the whole slip and slide crew trick daddy you got plies who I guess nowadays people know him more for Instagram videos or, go, or his his videos on social media. You know, he, you know, he had his, you know, his run, you've had Flow Rider Pitbull and all that. But I think now, undisputed, you know, the king of Florida hip hop has got to be Rick Ross. I mean, I guess I'd hear arguments with someone else. I don't think there is an argument, just personally. I, I personally believe Rick Ross is in that rarefied air where you, when you start talking about the greatest to, to ever do it, to ever, you know, put an album out, you know, you look at, you know, just a career, uh, a catalog of work, Ross is in that space now where you say, okay, how many just bad albums has Rick Ross put out? You know, really can't say he's really put out just bad work. You know, I think in most most artists, you have a point where you're hot. And you fade, you know, you kind of take a turn, and you know, the sound change, the vibes change, you get left behind. But Ross hasn't had that. You know, Ross is still putting out, you know, quality work, good work. You know, I think his flow is, you know, you, you know, is unique Is you know, it's 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 his. And he's definitely earned you know his his place in hip hop right now. I forgot. I should not forget forget DJ Khaled, you know, in his in his role in Florida and hip hop, you know, but, you know, he's clearly worked with everybody or mostly everybody who, who, you know, who has a name. But even with that being said, you know, Khaled's done a lot, but Rick Ross has got to be the king of Florida rap. And I just don't. Uh, yeah, if you if you want to tweet me at Mr underscore Jason Jones, if you want to comment on Instagram on something random at Mr Jones LBC, tell me I'm wrong. Who am I missing from the Florida scene that I did not mention just now? You know, I know I didn't mention Trina. You know, so so hey, I, you know, I'll will hear that. But tell me who I'm who I'm missing. If there's somebody in Florida I should be listening to that I didn't listen that I didn't mention, let me know. the a good chance that I just you know when I'm writing out my list, they didn't come to mind. So no diss, no disrespect, nothing like that on my end. So yeah, you have it this week. The Kings are in Florida, except for three games at Orlando. They're going to be at at Toronto, which is at, which is obviously in Tampa. <laughs> at you know I could say at Tampa, and they're going to be at Miami before they close out this trip next week in New Orleans. So. There you have it. Kings are, by the time you listen to this, they will be still on a one-game winning streak. So enjoy that because by the time I'm back, I don't know what I'll be able to say about them. So there it is. This has been your latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. I am your host, Jason Jones of The Athletic. Again, you know how to find me on social, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter. And Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram where i've got all the bernie memes you want and then some you can send those to me too i might i might post those as well because i'm i'm corny and i find the bernie memes hilarious so you guys be safe out there you be good catch you next time i'm gone